0: So it really goes back to financial planning for that individual. But yes, there are plenty of things that I think are fantastic and great, but it has to be suitable for that individual and their situation. Mm. And that's one thing too. Like it's not a one shoe fits all mentality. It's not like, hey, you're this age and you have this goal and everybody has the same portfolio as you. There's folks that will come to the table saying, hey, I have this stock and it was my great grandfather's and I love it and I never want to get rid of it. That changes their element immediately, right?
1: Welcome to the Joyous Path to Millions podcast with me, your host, Emily June Wilcox, serial entrepreneur, seven-figure business owner, mindset junkie, creator of the Money Wound Medicine program, devoted mama of two, and lover of coffee and crystals. My mission is to put more money in the hands of soulpreneurs through healing money wounds, building abundant businesses, and balancing masculine and feminine energy. When we do this, we collectively up-level the frequency of the planet and help usher in new paradigm wealth. Each week, a new episode will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and guest interviews, where we'll dive into honest money conversations and the -the behind-the-scenes truth of building our aligned fempires. We all deserve a healthy, empowered relationship with money so we can experience more freedom, pleasure, and joy on our joyous path to millions. So get ready and let's dive in. Hello, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just blown away at times that this is a top 3% podcast. My mind has a hard time even wrapping around what that means. And it wouldn't be if you guys weren't here, like I'd still be showing up doing my thing, but it's the fact that you're listening and you're sharing and you keep showing up that makes it so incredible. So thank you for that. And I am rewarding you. I've got a beautiful interview today with Jennifer Rogers-Markwell. Her story is super cool. She is the president of Platinum Wealth Management And she used to be a journalist, and we go into the whole reason and story behind her career change. But she also serves as the state commissioner for the Nevada Commission for Women. She volunteers on the board for Girl Scouts of the Sierra Nevada. She was voted Sierra Nevada's top 20 most powerful women by the Northern Nevada Business View in 2018 and 2019. She's just super cool. And I love seeing women in finance that are changing the game and that are bringing more incredible feminine energy and just a different approach to these traditionally masculine spaces. So let's dive in. Jennifer, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I was looking forward to this. Yes. And I think we need to start with your story because you were a journalist a very successful journalist. And now you promote financial literacy and help women in particular to build wealth. How did that happen? Yeah, it's
0: crazy actually. Like when you look on paper or you look at a resume, it doesn't make sense going from there to here, right? Truly, it's not like an arrow. It's not like people do this path often. I'm sure there's others, but there's not a lot of us. So I, yeah, thought I would always be in television. I had just signed a contract with a large network and a that had a food spin to it as well to travel the world with a international cruise line, interview chefs, and then really have kind of the journalist side of things on that as well. And my grandpa got sick my grandparents raised me they were mom and dad they were just my rock my mom was super young when she had me so they were always just my solid parental figures in my world my grandpa was that guy that was just super crabby and ornery and just the grumpy grandpa guy the get off my lawn guy by all means that was my grandpa and so in our minds like my family were like oh he'll totally be fine he'll recover because he's grumpy and crabby and ornery and amazing and we loved him so much and that's who he was And so I went home and he wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better. And all of us up until the last second, we're like, no, he'll totally pull through. He's going to outlive all of us. That's just what we all thought. And he passed and we were there for it. And it was just such an emotional time. And I can actually say it now without crying every time, but I feel it every time I share the story. We were in that moment. And then I feel like everything just becomes a whirlwind afterwards. So you're in that emotional moment, but then you're also picking up pieces from everything around you. So they didn't have a lot, but what they had was spread around a lot of different places and a lot of different institutions. And we found ourselves going in and we never had that warm, fuzzy feeling that anyone cared or wanted to do what was in my grandma's best interest. And she's, we're going through this. Imagine how many other women are going through this too. And I said, okay, I'll learn everything I can. And there was my pivot, like unexpected, didn't put myself in this environment to work in finance or be that girl by any means. But here I am almost 15 years later. So huge transition to from television to finance. And I really feel like sometimes you look at life as, well, for me, I look at life as like a river, right? You're in that river. You can fight it and go upstream, which many of us have or still do potentially. You can stand there and have the water just hit your back, right? Or you can just go with it. And that's what I really feel like I did. I just went with it knowing that I didn't know where I was going to end up or what my plan was. And I was always that person that was like, I'm going to be here for two years. I'm going to be here for two years. I'm going to do this. Like In my brain, I thought I had it organized out. Totally didn't. Totally didn't at all. But I went with the river and here I am. And definitely in a a place where I feel like I'm making a difference and helping others along the way.
1: I love that so much. And as you and I have talked, I love seeing women in these financial spaces because we tend to approach it differently. And we're often more intuitive, we're more feelings first, we're more holistic. And I believe that women in general come into financial spaces feeling like they often don't belong. Maybe they're not worthy of being there. They are not trusting themselves. And then when that's perpetuated by the professionals in that industry, even well-meaning folks who don't think that they're doing it, there's a lot of sneaky manipulation that happens in ways that try to make the client feel like they can't trust themselves. They need to leave it to the experts. So, talk to me about how you're disrupting that old paradigm.
0: Yeah, that's so true. You said it beautifully, too. I feel like going in, there was always this kind of, and I hate to say good old boys club, but it was a good old boys club in essence. And, if, and the narrative's changing. It's not where it needs to be yet, but it is changing. I think that in general, women just communicate differently, especially in the world of finance. We don't want to be sold to. Most of us don't want to be. We want to have a conversation. We want to figure out, give us some education so we can make the best decision based on that information in our personal situation. And that's really where I feel like we shine because I was on the other side of the chair, right? I didn't know anything. Like Finance is a completely foreign language. And if you don't know it and live in it, you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works. And it's easy to get spun up in that narrative of, oh, I don't know. And what I don't know, I'm scared or I'm going to bury my head in the sand or whatnot. So for us, it's really been education first, financial literacy first. One thing that we do that's unique is we do a virtual coffee chat every month. It's free. If you want to attend, fantastic. If you don't, that's fine too. But it's always there and available on different financial topics. So for this month, for example, we talked through Medicare. Medicare is always changing. There's always different dynamics to it. We've talked through social security. We've talked through market movement. What are the feds doing? What are the feds not doing? What's tax reform? Let's talk about legalities behind trusts and wills, and are you doing the right things? And I'll bring on different experts for different fields as well to talk that through. But that financial literacy is there, and I want to provide it more and let people know that everyone truly has a seat at the table for that, no matter what your situation is or where you're at in your business or individually.
1: I love that so much. And as you were naming each of those things, I actually could feel a little bit of constriction in my own body. And unfortunately, none of those line items are built by people who really want the participants to understand it well. I used to, I had a former career in pharmaceuticals and I was college educated. I'm a very bright person. I could barely understand the freaking Medicare system and my mom calls me sometimes because she's on these expensive medications and she's what if I switch formularies? I'm like, it's just, it's complicated. Yeah. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't even matter if you work in the industry. It's just built to be complicated. And so I love that you're making it more accessible and trying to take away the scary components. And then ultimately, I'm sure in many of these aspects, your clients just build trust with you and they feel like, okay, Jennifer gets me and she knows what my goals are. And so I don't have to know everything because I can rely on her sound advice.
0: Yeah. And I feel like you touched on it as well. Like they're moving targets, right? Not only are they confusing, but they change every year dynamics behind the scenes at all those different aspects. So if you think you know it, which is great and dandy, right? But then again, the next year you don't because it changes again. And there's a different formula and a nuance and things that happen. So really just keeping your thumb on that constant continual education of what's happening, what's changing, I think is so, so important.
1: When you made this career pivot, when you allowed the river to carry you downstream into investing and financial spaces, did you ever have a moment Where you are like, who am I to do this? And do I truly know enough or do I need to keep learning before I can actually take on clients and start making a living?
0: Yeah, that's a big question. And I think that's a big question for everybody in my industry and probably other industries too, right? But I live in my bubble. But the whole imposter syndrome, it's huge. And I don't know if it's just so huge for women in general. I know men have it too. Like I've had other conversations with other folks that are brilliantly smart, but have the same issue. But yeah, same thing with finance behind the scenes. Like I said, it's an ever-moving target. Things keep yeah. changing. Strategies keep changing. People's worlds keep changing of what their goal structures are, or what that looks like. Different new investments come out. So there's it's never ending, right? I feel like the folks that maybe back in the 50s that did what they did and sat on their hands and only shared a certain type of investment structure or whatnot... That's not a thing anymore. And it's not funny, humorous funny, but you see sometimes portfolios when people are transferring from other advisors into us and we're like, okay, yeah, we see what's happening there or not what's happening there based on a philosophy that was back in the day that maybe worked in the fifties or sixties ish, right? Where now it doesn't. Yes. Often. I don't know everything. And I feel like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. But that's also where I lean into the more I continuously learn and the more like constant education is so important, monthly constant education. So not only are we, you know, sharing what's happening and the nuances of things that are changing behind the scenes for clients and for folks listening, of course, but we're also educating ourselves constantly behind the scenes because it's, that's always moving and changing as well.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious with that continuous education piece. Is there a part of you that enjoys playing with it yourself first? Do you take riskier investments or try new things with your own money just to have some skin in the game and be able to talk about it from a first-person perspective? For sure. And I have skin in the game across the board on lots of things. And for me, I think
0: that's important because that way I know what's happening, how things act, how things interact with the market or they correlate or they don't correlate in essence, depending on what strategies you're looking at across the board. But yes, I think that's important because then you're in it and you can speak specifically to it because you're also invested in it as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And talk to me about the kinds of clients that you work with. Yeah. So you and
0: I talked briefly about this and... There's been, I feel like just a big kind of sway lately that I've been feeling from people, whether they're clients or just general conversations, that a lot of people think that they don't have a seat at the table. And that breaks my heart because you do hear, if you're watching business channels, you're going to hear commercials of, oh, if you've half a million dollars, give us a call. If you have over 15 million, 1 million, whatever the big adult number is in essence, Right. But then everybody else is how do I get to that point if no one's going to help me get there? What am I just forgotten? And I feel like there's a whole group of folks that are just not embraced. And for us, do we have clients that have multi-million dollar accounts? We do. But we also have clients that are starting out or starting over. And for us, it's more important for the relationship. Right. If you're coming to the table saying, Hey, here's what I have. I want to get on track. Can you help me get there? Can we do some financial planning? Yes. And especially if that communication resonates, where you're communicating with us well and vice versa. And it's a fit on both sides. We're honored, right? For every dollar that you busted your ass for, right? Regardless of what that looks like, you worked hard for it at the end of the day. So I think it's so important to embrace really on the relationship than just on specifically the dollar amount. And granted, like I said, we've got people who are wildly successful in different places and stages in their financial journey. And we have people that are starting out or starting over, but they need to start somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you're doing that and talking about it. And again, my sense of things is that it's typically more women that will take themselves out of the running. Go, oh, I don't think I qualify. Whereas men are a little more likely to just lean in and say, oh, it's fine and I'm sure they'll work with me. And to all the women listening, lean in. If you don't feel like you have a seat at the table, you've got to take some personal responsibility for that. Because if you don't go up to the table and ask, can I sit here, then it isn't going to happen. Even if it's all been prepared for you and they would love to have you. I think the other thing too, about that whole X amount in assets or net worth or whatever, I know I've had moments where I don't even know what the definition of that is. I was doing a risky investment at one point where we had to be an accredited investor in order to do it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can be an accredited investor. And someone had to tell me, no, when you look at the assets that you have and you add up the value of your business and whatever, it's over, I think it was a million. It was what we had to be like, you can in good faith sign this paper. But I didn't know what the definition was. and. That's where we talk about financial literacy is like you might be discrediting yourself and deciding that you can't have a wealth strategist or a financial advisor or that you're not rich enough, and you don't even know what they're looking at or how they define it,
0: yeah. And that definition is different depending on what you're looking at, right? A credited investor could mean that you've got twenty million. It could mean one million. It could mean lots of things. And that's for obviously different strategies as well. But that also comes to the conversation of, What do you have ultimately? Granted, you need to know that, right? Regardless of who you talk with or who you do business with, but just having a holistic idea of where you're at, but knowing that definitions can be different for different people across the board. Even when we talk about risk tolerance, someone could say, oh yeah, I want to be aggressive, but aggressive to me and aggressive to you and aggressive to someone else could mean totally entirely different things. Right. So I feel like this is again where that communication is so important, no matter who you're working with or what your situation is. Same with accredited investor. That can mean different things depending on what you're looking at and what the criteria is for that as well.
1: Yeah. And I would be curious to know the way that you structure your compensation because, again, I think this is another area where women might feel like they can't do it yet. And I know that many people do it different ways. Sometimes it's just a commission. Sometimes there's a fee associated. So if you're open to sharing, I think it would be so helpful for everyone listening.
0: Yeah. So we are fee-based. So what that means is we charge a percentage. And so the terminology, like when you do better, we do better. We're based on a percentage of assets under management that we're managing for you based on a percentage fee annually. So if we're growing your portfolio and that's doing better, then it's a win for everyone across the board. So that's called fee-based. There is fee only, which means whoever you're working with is only charging a percentage and that is it. There's also commission-based. Commission-based could be that you're buying something and you're charged a a commission for that trade, if you will. Fee-based is a mix of both. Generally, the majority of what we do is fee-based, but then there are other folks that want to use us for Kind of CDs or different aspects on kind of the side of things like that. And that's not managed money per se for us. So that would be in that commission based realm in essence, but fee based is normally what we do. It's a percentage based on managed money that we're managing for you.
1: Got it. So if I'm understanding correctly, someone could come to you and they don't have to have a chunk of change to pay you. They just need to have a chunk of money that they want to invest with you. And then you're getting a percentage of the earnings based off of how those investments are performing. Of the total amount.
0: So of the total okay. amount. And then as the total amount grows, obviously the percentage that you're getting that we're receiving is the percentage doesn't change, but the dollar amount does because we're growing the the nest egg, if you will.
1: Got it. Okay. Super helpful. Yeah. Because even be as confusing. you're saying that, I'm like, Fee base to me would mean I have to pay you a fixed fee, but that's not what it means in your industry. It,
0: it is a fixed fee, but it's based on the assets under management. So again, I think this is where that communication is so important and talking it through. And I always tease like with my team, I'm like, let's have a conversation 15 times just so everybody's always on the same page and nothing's lost in translation. Because again, I'd rather make sure that everything is clarified for everyone, right? So there's no surprises. Yeah.
1: yeah. What are some of the common myths that you see in your industry that feel really important to bust? Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many (laughs) that you don't have enough money
0: to invest, or you haven't saved enough to invest, or you're not worthy of investing. Like you had said, that's definitely a thing. There's conversations that I've had in the last month where I've had folks who are females who've literally had that kind of emotional moment with me, which is beautiful that they're open and vulnerable to be able to share that. But they were at the point where, oh, I didn't think anyone would be open or willing to help me, which is heartbreaking to me. And I think that's why I keep resonating with there's a seat for everyone at the table. And that's just so uberly important to me. And I'm hearing it from all directions. So I really want to share that message because that's literally been coming at me so much. I think everyone is worthy no matter where you're at in your financial journey to have that conversation. And again, if it's not with me, that's fine. But have it with a financial professional that's licensed that can help you get on track potentially or figure out what you're doing. Or if you're already on track to just make sure that you're doing the right things.
1: Yes. I love that so much. And I'm curious, going back to your personal journey, I always like to paint the picture of like where you were and where you're at now. Because I think we have a natural curiosity about money and how much people make, but because it's taboo, we don't ever talk about it. I have no clue what a journalist makes. Is that, I don't know, is that a $200,000 a year job or what? What's the no, rate? And I can be definitely raw and vulnerable there and share. My journey was
0: crazy there. I remember my first on air job and I was making $14,700. And I remember being on call 24 hours a day because that's the thing that it was back in the day. And, and that wasn't a lot of money back in the day either. And let me preface this because I was driving through a... Because we worked crazy hours, so I did not eat the healthiest, but I was driving through a drive through at In-N-Out Burger. And they made more than I did as an on-air reporter. No. And not that that's not a challenging job and not that's not an important job, not diminishing anything. But I was like, oh my gosh, Like I am working 24 hours a day. These kids that are working here are doing much better than I am, and I am like busting my tail. So no, you don't make a lot in television, at least starting out. I did get to the point where, yeah, after many years and wearing many different hats, I did make over 100 grand a year and change in that industry. But I also worked my tail off. I worked, in essence, two full-time jobs and was on call 24 hours a day. So I was on air, I executive produced, I did commercial work. And it was one of those things where I teased with a friend of mine. He's, Oh, remember when we worked so much? I'm like, Yes, I do remember that. And it was one of those things where he's, yeah, because he would even get a call saying, Hey, can Jennifer do this? Can she host this show? Can Can she do this? Can she do this other side project? Literally, because my hours were so crazy, he would field some of my calls. He's like, Yes, she can. Yes, she can. Yes, she can. So I worked my tail off all the time to make what I made there, but I worked really hard. The industry is interesting and it's even changed since I was super active in it too, where now sometimes in big markets, I know folks in LA, I know folks in Chicago that are interns that are not getting paid, that are on air. So that being said, they're making even less than than what I did in my first on-air job and it's super competitive. And that was one thing that was thrown back at us consistently was there's going to be somebody younger and prettier and that does a better job than you do. So it was a tough industry. And I look at that and I'm like, I definitely cut my teeth there. I learned a lot. I'm grateful for my experiences, but it was a tough, it was tough. It was tough. That is
1: fascinating. Now that you're talking about it, I have a friend who does acting and she speaks about it similarly, that it is a kind of exploitative. They know that everyone is vying for it. And so people are really willing to work for pennies or do a lot of free labor. And it's sad that the industry is built on that because there's plenty of money to go around. And you look at the writer's strike right now and it's like, yeah, something needs to change. You look at really
0: like an hourly wage, right? I don't as much anymore, which I probably right. should too, like owning my own business because I work a ton as well, but it's by choice, of course. Yeah. But looking at it before, I'm like, my breakdown hourly was like below minimum wage for all we put in. And I know for actors, I know for writers, depending on the per diem or stripe and that they're getting for whatever project they're doing or show, like that's tough. It's tough and they work hard for
1: sure. got to heal that hard money wound. Anyhow. Okay. So that's like where you were. And then obviously there's been this huge journey because we know that entrepreneurship and building a business doesn't happen overnight. So I'm sure it wasn't like the day you decided to take on financial investment clients that you were raking in the dough, but you've been building it. So tell us like how the building happened and where you're at now financially.
0: Yeah. So that and in that shell, it was super scary. And I feel like entrepreneurs will tell you this, right? Taking that jump, you're like, how is this going to work? How am I going to do this? And so for me, I do have a fantastic husband who is my partner in life and he's, no, I got you. We got health insurance. You're okay. Go spread your wings. And I was still like scared because I was like, I pay my bills. I pay my own stuff. I do my thing. And I was like, "I I don't know if I'll be able to. So Really launching and, and doing it like the first couple months, I was like, oh gosh, like I am in the red, but I saved up and I was prepared for that mentally the best that you can be. But I was like, it's gonna be fine because I know I can do this differently than other firms are. And I know I can lean into customer service and financial literacy and education. And I can do this differently. I know this will work. And I felt that in my heart and my soul and like every cell that I had. Like it's just exuding, right? You feel it so much. And so here I am, gosh, we're four and a half, almost five years in of me owning Platinum Wealth Management and launching it. And we will be filing, or we did file rather, over seven figures for our taxes. So yes, you can get there. And Woo-hoo. yes, yeah. And that's also with the team. And there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes of what you're paying and what your expenses are. in as an entrepreneur, it's not all... <laughs>
1: Not all quite as it looks. Hey, look, I wish my gross revenue numbers were my profit numbers. That's just not the way it works.
0: But that's also part of the labor of love though too. On paper, you're like, yes, I'm killing it. But you're investing so much back into yourself, your business, your education, like supporting your team. There's a lot of moving
1: Like It's good.
0: It's so good. And I love it. And I don't take that lightly that I'm able to help people on an everyday basis. And also lift my team and lift others as we're going. So it's a beautiful gift and I never would have put myself here if I didn't go with the flow of the river.
1: Mm, I love that so much. Okay. This is a loaded question and I know there's probably a million caveats, but do you have some favorite investment strategies that you just love for like almost every client?
0: Yeah, that is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) So loaded. I do. It depends on the client. It depends on, and I'm going to give a vanilla answer because I have to. And I I know you're
1: just for everyone listening, like Jennifer's industry is very highly regulated and I don't know all the rules, but I'm sure there are things that you would love to say and you can't.
0: Yeah. And I think it really depends on the individual too, right? Because if you give me someone who's the same age, same background, same goals, their strategies could be totally different depending on what their individual needs are. Maybe they need liquidity and need to have things more liquid to them. Maybe looking at their big snapshot, they're an entrepreneur and aren't doing a SEP IRA or a SIMPLE IRA or something like that to really benefit themselves in their retirement. So it really depends on the individual, what their individual goals are, what they're doing in their businesses, if they're an employee for a company, what they're doing there, they take advantage of an employee plan. What are all the moving parts there? So it really goes back to financial planning for that individual. But yes, there are plenty of things that I think are fantastic and great, but it has to be suitable for that individual and their situation. Mm. And that's one thing too. Like It's not a one shoe fits all mentality. It's not like, hey, you're this age and you have this goal and everybody has the same portfolio, you. There's folks that will come to the table saying, hey, I have this stock and it was my great grandfather's and I love it and I never want to get rid of it. That changes their element immediately. Right. So it could be an employee stock option that they're an executive in a corporation and they get stocks given to them and granted and that are vested. So that changes the dynamic. There's so many different nuances to the question that it depends on the individual.
1: Yeah. Is that like one of your favorite parts of the is the strategic piece? Oh gosh, I love it. I love
0: getting to know people and why they tick, right? When you were on my podcast, we were talking through money memories financial infidelities. I think those are really a part of that discovery conversation to figure out why you tick and why you tick the way that you do. Is it a lack of money mindset that you have? Are you in a building mode? Like where are you at? How are you ticking and what are your goals? And everyone is so drastically different. But the common thread is there's some money memory that you had that helped mold your relationship to money to where you are now. So that's always the common thread, but the story's always so different.
1: Ah, uh, so true. And I recently interviewed someone for my podcast and she's a financial dignity coach. And we were talking about paying off debt and she's, you've probably heard of the snowball method or the avalanche method. She's, I have a method called the volcano method, which is that it's whatever debt you hate the most. That's the one we pay off first. Nice. And I was like, I love that because... It's true. There's what makes sense on paper and what's intellectually and strategically the best. And then there's how you actually feel about Mm it. Like you said, what makes you tick? And that's the secret sauce. Cause if we can get that into alignment with money and what you want to build, then everything goes so much faster and easier.
0: Totally. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly because there's that emotional side, right? On, and on paper, yes, you could go a different direction and it may make sense on paper to do something, but at the end of the day, does that resonate with you emotionally? Because that's such an important factor for you. Yeah. And being doing something on paper, people will stray from that because they don't have that emotional tie into whatever that is. It's right. got to be that heart-centric, really, conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious with your clients, like, How often is that a part of the conversation? Do you see them straying or veering off? And then there's like this discussion of, hey, I know we talked about this and this is what I'm noticing happening. What's actually going on here?
0: Depends. With some folks, yes. Some clients, depending on what's going on in their world, did they lose a spouse? Where are they at emotionally? Because that can definitely kind of change gears. And whether they realize it in that moment or not, like those all play a big emotional part to what you're doing financially. Is there a new dynamic in a relationship that you have? Retirement is a weird one too, right? You'd think that retirement people would be like, yes, I'm retiring. It's so fantastic. They do. But then they think, oh gosh, I don't have any money coming in from a job that I had. And now I've got to take money out of a portfolio that I had that was there and that was my money. So yeah. it's a different psychological kind of play there in a conversation that's just so unique and different. So- Yes, across the board for many folks, it appears that a lot of folks who are in the good earning mode years, right? Where your head's down and you're like, just putting money and saving it for retirement or whatever your goals are. You have alignment because you're just, you're rolling with it. But as soon as something changes off track from what your normal quote air quote moment is, then Mm -hmm. that's where it can get interesting and even more psychological. But that's where the conversation needs to come out. That's where you need to have that trusted advisor that you can pick up the phone and be like, Hey, this is how I feel, and this is a little wonky, and I'm seeing this. And what do we do? Let's talk it through. And I do have that relationship with most of my clients where they pick up the phone and they're like, "Hey, I want to buy a couch. I don't think I can afford it. I know I have a very large portfolio with you, but again, they're going back to a midwestern family getting food on the table. Am I okay? So, so yes, I do see that quite a bit.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because it also just reminds me of these artificial rules that we put around our money. And sometimes those rules serve and really help us in a certain season, but then we'll live in false scarcity because of these rules. Like the example you said with retirement, I've seen it with my parents where they're a bit more frugal now than they were and they have no reason to be like they are wealthier now than they've ever been. But for so many years, they had the mentality of you do not touch your retirement funds. Now you're retired. And in theory, that makes sense to touch the retirement funds, but it still feels emotionally scary and like they're doing something
0: wrong. Totally. Totally. And there's that switch there, right? So there's that mental switch where whoever they're working with, that should be a conversation or even with you, Just saying, Hey, you're in a different season of your life now and you've worked hard to get to this beautiful moment right now. And now you're changing the narrative for where you're at currently. So I think that's so important to just keep reevaluating that too, because spot on, each season is different. Your growing years, your accumulation years. Then are you starting to spend a little bit? Do you have income coming in outside of retirement or pension or social security or whatever that is? And what are you pulling from over here and really knowing that? hey, you're okay. You're okay.
1: Absolutely. Like we don't need to be in scarcity now. You are good. You are actually in abundance.
0: For sure. (laughs) To enjoy.
1: Okay. Please share where people can find you, where they can connect to all of these incredible free talks, financial literacy, educational resources, and of course, how they can explore working with you as well.
0: Yeah, so really going to the website. It's platinumwealth, Platinum Wealth, P L A T I N U M Wealth, W E A L T H dot net. We own dot com as well, but we own dot net before net. You'll find everything there. We're on social media across the board. You could even Google my name, Jennifer Rogers Mark, or and Platinum Wealth, and you'll find a plethora of information. If you want to sign up for our email list, just go to the website, sign up there, and you'll get invited to our monthly virtual coffee chats. We have those. And then I also have a podcast where we talk through money, financial infidelities and money memories with guests, because again, that's that common thread that goes across the board for everyone, but everybody's story is so unique and different.
1: Yeah, I love that. We'll make sure all of that is linked up in the show notes so that it's easily accessible for listeners. Final question that I ask every guest, describe to me what it means for you to be on the joyous path to millions.
0: I think when I was younger, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I, I think looking back as a younger person, you think that's unattainable. And then when you're in your 30s, 40s, you're like, I'm here. I'm here. And it's amazing. But now it's time to, I think for me at least, really give back, right? Give back in every aspect that I can, whether that's mentoring advisors on my team or my teammates and lifting them as we're moving forward. So they also overflow and do the same thing for clients and really get that financial literacy and education out there too. I think it's now it's a time to share and lift others all around you when you hit your goals. And granted, I think when you hit your goals, keep changing and evolving as well, which is beautiful. But I feel like now it's the cup is overspilling and it's time to share that with everyone around us.
1: Oh, I love that so much. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. To everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Okay. How great was that? Please go follow Jennifer. She's on Instagram at Jennifer Rogers Markwell. Of course you can share this episode and tag both of us. That's my favorite because then I remember, oh my gosh, there's listeners. People love the show and it just completely makes my day. I would love to hear your top takeaways from the show. As always, here are mine. Number one, go downstream. Let the river carry you towards your next big thing. And you don't even need to know what that is. You don't even need to know that the river is bringing you to your next thing, but just trusting in the flow of the water and that good things are going to happen. Number two, set yourself up for financial literacy. You don't have to dive in and know every last thing the way that Jennifer did, but know something, at least know what's available to you. When I started tuning into different conversations and just learning about different types of investment strategies, it completely changed the game for me because all of a sudden it opened up all of these possibilities inside my mind that I didn't even know existed. Number three, claim your seat at the table it's set for you. I guarantee you there is a table where they are talking about financial literacy, incredible investment opportunities, how to get started with the exact amount of money that you have, but no one can force you to sit down. You've got to walk up to the table. You have to decide that there's a seat there for you. And the sooner you do it, the better. You will really thank yourself for that. And by the way, if you sit down at a table that sucks, get up and leave and find a different one. Like You don't have to nail the assignment the first go-round, but you do need to hold the standard and the vision that you really believe that there is a right place for you and that you're committed to finding it. Number four, find a holistic provider. Work with someone who is willing to really look at every aspect of you, money, your goals, all the things, And then really build a custom strategy for you based on that. I think that was one thing that we heard Jennifer talk about again and again, was like, it depends. It depends. So if you are tuning into something that feels like a one-size-fits-all strategy, that's probably not the right approach. There's nuance. And what matters to you, how you feel, your unique situation is going to play into building this custom strategy for you. And number five, giving back. Give back on your joyous path to millions. So thank you so much for tuning in. I've got an interview coming up with Amber Romania. It's going to be so good, you guys. She is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert with 10 years of experience helping women create a new level of body confidence and, of course, getting into intuition, and mindset healing so that you can overcome any self-sabotage with food. Of course, we'll be digging into entrepreneurship and all of the woo behind the scenes and money since that's my favorite topic. So make sure that you tune in for that episode. Thank you so, so much for being here and I will talk to you soon. Listeners like you have made this a top 3% global podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. I also love hearing listener feedback, so feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram at mmakesmoney. If you would like to explore hiring me as your money healer and business mentor, hit the link in the show notes or head to explore.emilywilcox.com. Until next time, I'm sending you all the magic money vibes on your joyous path to millions.